0: You're tuned in to The Show Creative Podcast, a leading podcast for photographers, videographers and leaders in the visual arts. Hi Hunter, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for joining us here today. We're here today with Hunter Hart. He is a visual artist and photographer. Hunter also has a 20 portraiture. And I guess you can call yourself, consider yourself a photojournalist as well.
1: Yes, I would consider myself that. I think it's more of the stylistic approach I take to things. But yes, I would say that. And just looking at your work, I can just you just I guess I can just tell you just love kind of photographing
0: people. I mean, I see a little bit of cuisine thing, but I see like you have a love for kind of just working with people and making them look great in the photos.
1: Yes, that's definitely my number one. I love interacting with people and photographing them and. Whatever I can do to make them feel at ease with what I do. So, definitely people.
0: Yeah, great. And just so people know a bit about you, whereabouts are you from?
1: I'm from Mississippi, a very small town called Eupora, Mississippi, actually. But I currently live in Birmingham, Alabama, in the United States. (laughs) Yeah, you got to clarify that one because,
0: funny story, actually, we first came across Hunter's work on Instagram. And we were actually searching for um, photographers in Birmingham, right? There's Birmingham in the UK and, and we were looking for creators around that area. So we found Hunter, we loved his work. So someone reached out to him there on Instagram and then we met and you was like, oh, you know, we're great, we're cool, but I'm um, actually in Birmingham, Alabama, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only a few thousand miles off.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. But yeah, we, I mean, we didn't let that deter us. So here we are. So, um, but yeah, so I wanted to know a little bit about how Birmingham, Alabama is like, and actually how you got started as a photographer.
1: So when I was younger, I actually, I was always into art, no matter what it was, painting, drawing, photography, anything I get my hands on that was artistic. And I went to a bunch of art camps when I was younger, and they were fun. I enjoyed them. But I didn't get the instant gratification that I found in photography whenever I was younger, around high school, I would say. And people would come to me and ask me for the photos that I took at the parties because this was before Facebook was super big and social media wasn't so pronounced like it is now. So people would have to come to me and they would compliment the things that I was doing. So that kind of pushed me into college and then through college, throughout college, and then to what I do now. So um, I would say it started just because anything artistic, but then the people actually pushed it on to me. So I guess the instant gratification of it and then people pleasing, I would say, is what got me to where I am now.
0: Yeah. You know, kind of following you on, on Instagram on your website, I, I kind of saw a little bit of a story where it said that you were kind of from, well, I think maybe you mentioned it before in an article and such, but you were kind of from a small town. There wasn't many people doing something similar that you wanted to do once you got started. There wasn't many people, photographers or other creative arts. Is that is that right?
1: That's very, very true. I don't even know how many people are in my, my hometown, probably, I don't know, 2,500, possibly. I'm not sure. But yeah, it was kind of tough, honestly, because I was not the typical male. So I got bullied a little bit because of the things that I did as far as photography. I was a different child. I was a different type of adult as well now. But yeah, it was it was really tough because there was no like art backbone for the town that I was from. And to be an artist was kind of frowned upon. And it was a little bit different than everybody else. So that's always a hard thing to deal with. That was kind of the way I, I was brought up, but I do have a really good family and they always encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. And that's what I wanted to do. Unlike my brothers, I have a brother that's in the Air Force and one that's a farmer and on the a different side of the spectrum than them and most of the people in my town. So it was tough.
0: Yeah. But I guess, I guess that's what it's important to have like, you know, someone encouraging you and learning that. And that not much of that is around i mean what was that it would said that they were they just like anything you want to do or any road you want to go down we're, we're good with that is it, is it that's Still a, t- a certain type of mentality in you that you kind of took along with you or?
1: yeah well my father died when we were younger so my mom pretty much raised us for the most part and she definitely encouraged us to do whatever helped us become who we wanted to be no matter what that means so she was very encouraging And I have an aunt that was very encouraging as well. And that helped a lot. But it was more of like an internal battle that I had to deal with than anything, honestly, because it wasn't an easy thing for me to deal with and to push through and get to where I am now, which I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be, but it's a far cry from where I was to begin with. So I'm glad that I could push through all of the challenges that I had to deal with when I was younger. And that's one of the hardest things to do. I can promise you that. But it worked out in the end.
0: It's funny to kind of, speaking to photographers, it's funny to hear the different kind of stories and challenges they have. And one of the first people I spoke to today, they kind of had a bit of imposter syndrome, right? That's kind of different from yours because what you're kind of saying is like it wasn't imposter syndrome where I see this thing and I'm trying to be it. It's almost like that thing doesn't exist. You
1: know what I mean? Like it's almost, yeah. <laughs> I have to argue yeah, with that yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Because I did all this hard work to get where I'm at, and I realized that. But at the same time, I have all these friends who work really hard to do the things that they don't even love to do. And I'm doing something that I love to do. And sometimes I look at myself, and I don't think it's fair for me to do what I'm doing full time, if that makes sense. And so I do have a bit of imposter syndrome, I would say.
0: speak to me a bit more about that. You said you don't think it's fair
1: To to be kind of to get to
0: what you're doing full time. Can you tell me a bit more about that, what that feeling's about?
1: Yeah. So I guess I would say there's a lot of blue collar people that I'm surrounded by and people who have gone to school for four to eight years and they've worked their entire life pretty much, you know, and they're going to work their entire life for jobs that they don't necessarily love to do. And I love what I do more than you can probably love anything. And I just feel like I'm kind of cheating the system, I would say, because I'm doing something that, that I get to enjoy every single day of my life. And all these other people have to clock in and clock out. And they have a certain amount of pay they'll get every year. And mine fluctuates, and which is another hard thing to be a photographer because you fall into all of these seasons. And we have summer and fall, which are big seasons in spring. But then you have winter. And well, summer is super hot here. So nobody wants to be photographed. So you had to find like in and out jobs throughout all the seasons. And it's, it's strange, but it is fun. And it's a hustle. And I enjoy the weird jobs that I pick up during the off time. Uh, yeah, because I saw that. I mean, I see you've the different people. I see,
0: is this a fairly new thing, the cuisine photography as well? Or Yeah, it that. is
1: actually. I have a friend who owns a barbecue place and he asked me to come by a few times and I did a lot of the shoots for free. But to be honest with you, it's really fun to shoot food which I just shot for a large chicken company just a few weeks ago. And I really enjoyed working with the chef. It was fun because you don't have to worry about making people comfortable, which is a big part of the job as a photographer, a portrait photographer. But with food, it's fun because you're not really on a strict time limit. And you can just, as long as you get your job done, doesn't matter if it takes one hour or 12 hours. As long as you get that done, that thing, then you're free to do whatever, you know. But you don't have to worry about people except that the final result, which is nerve wracking. But it's not like you're working with people for 12 hours. So I would say it's got its perks to photograph food.
0: Yeah, I watched this thing recently, and which I think I don't know if you saw, but it's still, it's like barbecue. You mentioned it's barbecue. It's like a Netflix thing. I've never yeah. seen this. Like I know what you're talking about. And I thought it was amazing. You know? Yeah, I think the older lady
1: was the best part of that show. Yeah, that she was fantastic.
0: She yeah, was fantastic. Watching her yeah. like
1: going with the rakes and things on yeah. the to get that going? I can't remember how many years she had been doing it, but she—it's been like her whole life. So I would say that barbecue to her is what photography is to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I, I mean, I love barbecue. I'm like am on a carnivore diet. Like, I, yeah, that was perfect. So, <laughs> so is that a barbecue? Is a big thing down
1: there? It's huge. Yes, definitely barbecue, fried chicken, and barbecue. i would saying it's probably the biggest things for us. Not the healthiest thing to eat, but it's definitely. It's a pretty big deal here. It's, so good. <laughs> it's all over the place. All over the place. I can tell you all the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We're sidetracked
0: there by the barbecue, but back to for, talk to me a little bit about people started noticing your work, saying, "Hey, you should be a photographer," and can we see the photos? And talk to me a little bit about that point up until where you are now. As like a like you said, working photographer, you do this full time. You know, you feel a bit you're a bit too lucky to be doing it, but. Talk to me about how you got from that point to where you are
1: now. Okay, so whenever I started, like I said before, people would ask me for the photos after I took them at parties. And then I got into college and I had a friend who had a little point-and-shoot camera and we would mess around with it. And somehow I happened to be better than him with the camera. And then I decided to go out and purchase my own. And I shot everything manual mode as soon as I got it because I didn't want to fall into the automatic, let everything take its course kind of thing. You know, I wanted it to be exactly how I wanted it to be the photos. And I did a lot of stuff for free, man, for a very long time, for a couple of years, actually. I didn't do anything for pay at all. So that was like a big thing for me. And I was working several jobs while I was doing this as well. So I think I had like four jobs at one time and I was doing photography for fun on the side. So it was this hobby for a long time, I would say. And eventually after I practiced and got good enough, people started offering me money for it. And I said, okay, well, this is weird, but yeah, I'll take it. (laughs) And then from there, slowly, 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 a couple of years after I started getting offered money, little by little by little, I started to be able to shed one job at a time. And it went from four jobs eventually to it was very hard for me to quit my last job, but I did because that was like my safety net. And then after that, I've just been full time ever since, and it's fantastic. But it's it's still scary to me because I never know when my oh. next paycheck is going to be. <laughs>
0: yeah, so you're still out there. You're still kind of out there on a limb, right? So it's still you're still like a you're self employed, your small business owner, and it, it's just kind of like it's all on you, right? And it's kind of but it, it's exciting, but it's also kind of like you said, it's a bit. Yeah, it's scary. But I mean, I think at this point you couldn't do anything
1: else really, right? You wouldn't go, but you know? No, I definitely wouldn't. The only thing different I would do is more video. And that's I'm actually working on a project right now for an artist, a friend of mine. Uh, it's a band called Rattlesnack. And they are fantastic. But I'm about to work on a video for them, and I'm really excited about that.
0: Brilliant. Well, I want to talk about your video actually, because you do have a channel on To Hot i want to go and talk about that because i think i told you got some videos on that i really love and time capsule type things i want to talk about that but if i could just take you back a step to one of the things you mentioned you said that you're doing things for free for a long time and then as you got better people started offering to pay you for the work i wanted to ask about that like did that because i have a photographer friend that is in the middle of that cusp right and i speak to a lot of photographers that are in the middle of that cusp it's like how do i get paid so I wanted to you know was it just the work spoke for itself and you just get better and better and then suddenly people started offering to pay you? Or were there other things involved, other things you did to kind of make that transition? Because the photographer that I spoke to about that, or the friend of mine I have is, they've been doing it for a while. They get a bit frustrated when the say, people reach out to them, and then maybe when they kind of mention pay or ask for pay, then it's like the person will, you know, it will suddenly kind of ghost them or stop to them, or People will just outright come and ask ask them to do free work, right? So I know a lot of photographers have that problem trying to make that transition from hey, this is and it's strange because it's like it's I don't know if it's I mean I guess I don't know if, I'm trying to think of another profession that might have that because clearly people aren't you know people aren't going up to lawyers and stuff and saying like hey would you you know if you mind, like can you do this for free you know so. It's something like quite unique to photography. And I wanted you to just, if you had speak on that, did it just happen naturally with the work or was there anything else you did to kind of make that transition?
1: Okay, so the way that I went into it was not, I was not looking for a job. I think that's where people get their lines crossed and I'm not a great businessman whatsoever. So asking people for money for me had always been a tough thing and I just never did it. I mean, I just, I didn't do it, but I shot for free, like I said, for a long time and eventually i guess it got good enough to where people assumed that i was getting paid so they would say how much do you charge and i would like well i just have to come up with something off the top of my head when that started happening and then i started to make like pdfs that had everything that you would get included because i didn't know what i was doing i mean everything was troubleshooting you know what i mean it was it just happened and I didn't go, like I said, I didn't go into it with the aspect thinking that I was going to be a full-time photographer. I just did it because I loved it. And then people, I guess, saw that I loved it so much. Maybe that's what it was, or maybe it was just the work spoke for itself. I'm not sure.
0: I do think that's what it was, actually. I do think that's a a big part, but sorry to
1: cut you off. No, if you go through my Instagram, if you scroll down, I love keeping my old photos because you can see how bad I was. And I mean, I was not good. And I just kept trying and trying and trying. And then it's weird seeing all the transitions I went through to get to where I am now. And I can't wait to look back five, 10 years from now to see where I was now. But it's definitely a process. And I think if you're going into it with the mindset of, I want to be a full-time photographer, just like straight up, then it's going to be kind of troublesome for you if that's all that you're doing. There's ups and downs for sure. And you have to definitely realize that. But If you're passionate about it and that's what you want to do, I say just stick with it and just wait for it to come. And eventually, it will if you just stick with it. Okay,
0: that's good advice. Uh, I think it, yeah, it's something that a lot of photographers struggle with that really want to do it. But it's good to know that, like, keep doing the work, let the work speak for itself, and let the in fact, let's say, like, the love of the work and passion speak for itself. And naturally, that transition will come where people will start to notice that. You know, so it's interesting. It's nice to see that, that that can happen organically as well because I do think maybe I don't know if you might speak on this but I mean it was, might be a good time to see what, what we wanted to speak on which is like how you differentiate yourself I do think there's a part of that that kind of a part of the marketing part of it kind of helps you cross that divide you know that line from just people asking for free stuff all the time and to the point where people start offering to
1: pay you for photos you know yeah, I think there's another thing about it is, is if you are a photographer, don't forget that social media is your best friend because it's free and all you have to do is photograph things and you make your Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you, however you want to do it and just push on there as much as you possibly can, post as much as you can and don't be critical of yourself too much and just post something because some people will sit there and look at their photos for a long time and I know a guy, he just like beats himself up about his work and he just won't post. And like just do it because at the end of the day, if you're trying to get paid for it, it doesn't really matter what you like. If people like it, then it's okay. You know what I mean? So and how do you know what people like if you don't put it out there? So just don't be afraid to put your work out there and put it out there as much as you possibly can is a really good thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. They kind of they kind of like I'm doing this book, which I kinda of recommend of, It's like the War of Arts. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that by Stephen Westfield. It's basically about the kind of inner Creative battles, right? That, like, for example, there's another way through about, like, okay, like, okay, like out there, or I like it, should I post something? But what if people, do, you know what I mean? That is a good? all of those type of things, right?
1: Worrying about what people think is the worst thing you can do. If you just do it, then you'll see what they think about it instead of beating so I'm yourself up about it a, before yeah so I'm not sure, so I'm gonna find out. yeah exactly so i think that's a good piece of advice if you're trying to start so if you're a professional photographer and you're i mean and you do it for a living and that's you still need to do what people like as well even if you don't think they're going to like it you still have to do
0: what people like even if you don't think they're going to like it
1: what that's what's right if you go into photography thinking that people aren't going to like your work, then you've already failed. So, if you have a photograph that you really like and you don't think people are going to like it, you should still post it anyway because who's going to know that they're going to like it or not if you don't use it?
0: That's crazy, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean,
0: in the world, we do that. Is, there's literally just no reason to not, if you're for, to just not put stuff out there, put your work out there, you know? It's just, especially the way the world's gone now with lockdown and COVID. It's just,
1: it's just, just get it out there, you know? Just get right, it out yeah. there. People are on social media now more than they have been just because of COVID, too. More than ever. More than ever. Right. So now will be the time to put some work out <laughs> because people are looking. Yeah, for sure. And then just
0: yeah, put put the work out and then just put your pillow over your head and just forget about it for
1: a while. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I look back a day or whatever and just see that it was okay. It was fine. Turn,
1: turn off your Instagram notifications. Okay. Okay. That's what I do. That's why you didn't hear from me this morning because I don't leave them on. I just turn them off and... If you sit there and let it beat you up and every time you're like, oh, I got a another notification, I got another one. And then they start to slow down and when they start to slow down, you're a bit upset, you know, and that's just the human way. That's how it works. So just to leave them off is, for me, the best thing you can possibly do. So what's the strategy? So you leave them off. How often do you go back and check your social media or your Instagram? More than I should, but a few times a day. Because I like to talk to the people that comment on photos, no matter how many comments it gets. I still want to either, even if it's directed towards the person, the subject that I shot, or if it's directed towards me, I either give them like a like or some type of feedback to what they said. And I I tell them I appreciate their compliment, whatever it is. So I try to stay in the loop, but I don't want to to be there every second. Somebody sends something, you know, because I mean, social media. It can wait, you know, if they, (laughs) it can wait. Okay. So,
0: but take me on to my next question. How do you differentiate yourself from others as a photographer,
1: whether that's online or social media or just through the work? How do you differentiate yourself? So a few years ago, and I think this is what got me to where I am now is honestly, I was doing things a lot different by, I looked at a lot of work and I said, how could I change this work and make it look like completely different? So where I'm from, a lot of people were doing like backlighting, and that's all they would use, and they would make everything super bright. And I was like, okay, so I need to do something different than super bright and airy. So I went for a completely different look. So all of my stuffs more like dark, and I use a lot of shadows and strange lighting techniques, and a lot of harsh sunlight, which is not not the best for the subject because it does hurt their eyes. So you have to be really careful with that, but. Also, another thing that I like to do is to shoot in between poses is what I call it. And that's where I think that most of the good work that I have comes from. So when you ask somebody to do a pose, I'm already thinking about what's going to happen after they come out of that pose rather than what they're actually doing in the pose. So I'll ask somebody to like push their hair back or something because it's in their way, but I'm not actually telling them to push their hair back because it's in the way. I'm asking them to push their hair back so I can photograph them doing that action. So it's like the indecisive moments that you've heard of so many times. So I'm photographing every in-between pose is what I call it, just in-between shooting. And that's what to me turns out to be the best photos that I shoot. So it's not like stand here, pose like this, and then I shoot that and then go to the next thing. I'm shooting continuously throughout and then hopefully one of those looks good. And that's usually how it works for me. So it's a lot different than most people do by just telling you to stand there and look like this and then they'll go into the next thing. I try to have fun with it too. So I have like a lot of movement in my work as well. Like even if it makes you feel weird, I'll ask you to do it like jump up and down, run, or just stand here when this bus goes by and then I'll like do like a long exposure or something. And it's a lot different than a lot of like run of the mill type portraits you'll see usually, I would say. And I also like to shoot between things and I've done that ever since I first started and I'm doing it more and more and more as I go. But I like to shoot through a lot of stuff and I call them shoot throughs and that's become pretty popular with my work as well.
0: Yeah, that's great, actually really great nugget there, really great practical advice actually.
1: shooting in between the poses
0: and in between the moves that people
1: make. Right. I actually started a project a few years ago and it's kind of hard to do now, but it was called Everything in Between and it was about you live your life essentially based on your highs and lows, but nobody really talks about the in-between things that got you there. So I would photograph families in the day of the life of, and it would be like an eight-hour thing. And this was for free. This is a project that I'm working on. And I would go to the house and photograph the family doing whatever they're doing, like a fly on the wall. Though, So the photographs that I got from that, though, are some of my favorite photographs that I've ever shot ever. And it was just... A family and there was nothing to it and they ended up being fantastic so it was just photojournalism basically
0: that's a good idea
1: i mean even with social
0: media right even more now people are you're just seeing them the moments right the curated moments on the will go up on instagram so it'd be quite interesting to that you know almost like the moment after the instagram post or facebook you know yes it's an interesting idea like okay but most of life is is normal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What happens in the moments between the posts, between the highs, between the lows? Like what happens there?
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's the key spot. And I think that's where my work lies is like right in between everything. And that's how I would describe it.
0: Fantastic.
1: Any other thoughts or tips on differentiating yourself? as a I would say lighting techniques, lens choices, don't copy people, which I mean, I know everything's kind of copying to a certain extent, I guess, because everybody's done everything, you know? but don't just like find one person and then do what they're doing. I mean, I don't think that's the way I think that you should have like a lot of people that you look up to or you like and kind of put everything together and then shoot whatever, however you see it. But I think that, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think that's about it really. Just do your own thing, make it your own and don't give up. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like don't copy, but
0: steal like an artist. There's a book called steal like an art. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah I know you
0: know, you're talking about like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like don't copy, but still like, like every everyone borrows and take a bit of their bit of their there and create your own art. But don't just go, oh, that's that's working well, or that's oh, stopping. Now I'm going to copy that. Because that's a bad move.
1: Something I do appreciate. There's a few people out there that, but I'll get like a mention on Instagram, and somebody will say this was inspired by Hunter Hart, and that's like the best thing ever because there's so many people that that you can see that follow you on Instagram. And then you start seeing their work slowly looking like yours after they had commented on your stuff for a while, which is really funny. And then you eventually stop following those people or you unfollow them or block them or whatever. Really? That, that happens? That's the thing? Oh, man, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it happens all the okay, time. Okay, wow. Definitely. It's very common, very common.
0: Okay, fantastic. Well,
1: yeah, I think those
0: was great. So you mentioned a few bits of gear use and things like that. So I wanted to move on to some gear tools. So what's your go-to gear? Like what do you currently shoot with? I see from looking around you know, your Instagram that you are a Fuji guy.
1: Yeah, so I'd shoot with the X100V right now. And I've had the X100F and the X100S. And I've loved every iteration that they've had of it. But my current favorite camera is the X100V. The flip-out screen and the EVF is... They're both fantastic. I'm glad that they gave the flip out screen because I shoot from the hip really often. And to look down at your screen like that is so helpful because if you're doing like street photography or anything like that, it's, it's super easy to not be so noticeable. And this camera is very discreet. It doesn't look expensive. And it's, I mean, the images you get are great. I mean, they're fantastic. And I love the 35 millimeter equivalent that it comes with. And I also use the wide angle conversion lens that makes it a 28 millimeter. And I shoot with that very often. I, I usually keep it on there, honestly, because those few millimeters it gives it the the same millimeter as the Leica Q, which is another one of my favorite cameras. Did um see on your
0: did a comparison?
1: I did, yes. And honestly, if the <laughs> if the X100V had the sensor that the Leica had, then it would be perfect because it's full frame and you get that bokeh that you get with the 1.7, but. With an F two on a crop sensor, actually is like an F 35 or something, so it's not as much bokeh. But the files you get from it and the images are just—they're fantastic. I love them. I like—I would one hundred percent recommend the X one hundred V over the Leica, unless you have a lot of money.
0: Yeah, what's the price? I was going to say there's probably quite a
1: bit of price difference between those two. I mean, what's
0: the price difference between?
1: Let's see. The X100V is about $1,400, and then the new Leica Q2 would be about $4,500. So $3,000 difference for just a little bit bigger of a sensor. But, I mean, I can't say anything because Leica, the lenses that they have, you can just look at a picture and tell that it's a Leica, and it produces a phenomenal image. I love it. But the technology that they have, it just doesn't have anything on Fuji or Sony or Canon, they're like just so far behind, uh, but the images are great. So it just depends on how which way you want to look at it. It's give or take, you know. What I shoot with predominantly though would be a Sony A7 III. I have two of them. I actually had one get hit hit by a wave while I was in South Africa, so I had to buy another one. So the other one works. Just the EVF works on it, so the screen doesn't work, and I haven't sent it off. I just bought another one, so I have two A7 III's that I shoot with, and. I usually shoot with wide-angle lenses, like 14 to 24s and 35 millimeter, and then like an 85. What would be like your, if you,
0: I know you love the X100V,
1: what would be your dream camera to upgrade to if you could? Oh, man. Does it have to be an upgrade? Like, you mean like, you either have this camera or this camera, or I can have this camera along with like my arsenal? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, well, no, you don't have to
0: change it, but if you could get have any, any your next camera and you can add that, what would it?
1: Okay, it would be the Hasselblad 907X. Okay,
0: okay.
1: Have you seen those?
0: No, I'm not too familiar with with that.
1: It's full format, and it looks just like the old Hasselblad does. And it has the flip-out screen as well, so you're looking down. And I've always wanted to shoot with a full format, and I would love to have the opportunity to do that. But they just came out with it, and just the way it looks, this is like a little box, and it looks just like the old cameras that they used to use, you know, the ones that you would look down And you would see what the lens was flipping back up to you through the mirror. I would love to shoot with one of those.
0: That's the Hasselblad
1: 907X, I believe is what it's called.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, No, I've seen them. Yeah. Kind of look like some of the black magic. But yeah, no, I've seen them. I've seen them. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure if that's the one I would go with, but I just haven't ever, I've never shot with one a full format. And I feel like I could do really well with it if I had one. But yeah, that would be the one I would add because I've had the Leica and Sony Canon. I've never shot with Nikon, really. I just, I think that would just be nice to have something full format. Like, it, I mean, we
0: spoke before and I told you like I really, really like, there's a piece of work on your YouTube um, that I really, really love, which is, I call it almost like the time capsule type photography that you do. And I think we call it like a thousand images or 3000 images, but essentially you are stitching together loads of, photos of a of certain and a certain theme or certain people or memory and creating like an incredible like like well, you know, like a mental time capsule of video and I wish I told you that I think that it's incredible people should go over there to the YouTube and check it out uh, I think it'd be a fantastic like wedding gift well, I don't know how people come to you for it, a wedding gift or like a just like a very very good gift for like a loved one or something like that so I think it's fantastic tell me a bit about Start photography
1: and do and how you go about doing that. Okay, so it's called three thousand pictures and it's it's on YouTube. You can look it up. One of my friends actually showed me a video of a guy who had done something very similar, and I'd seen something from an X one hundred F, and it was a guy that he did the day in the life of his children, and it was something similar to that, but it was all in color, and it was just like a, a very fast shoot rate. So he was probably doing like eight frames a second and just doing photo burst really fast. So the way I go about it is just like every other wedding day, I would go in and instead of using a video camera, I was using my camera camera, my X100V, the Fujifilm, and I would shoot at eight frames per second. And every time the bride would move or do something, I would just hold down my shutter and then I would just do it like I was doing a video, except I was doing it with a camera. And then at the end of the day, I would put it all together and then... I would make a video out of it. And I think it's amazing. I think it looks great. The black and white really makes it timeless, I would say. Yeah, it's a really fun film to watch. So you should watch it if you get a chance.
0: Yeah, it looks it looks, it looks fantastic.
1: But that would be like, I mean, if you want to see how I see things, that's probably the best way to see because that's actually how I shoot. Just not in, at that high of a frame rate, you know. <laughs> so you just literally just, you just keep it going, just finger down on the trigger and yeah, so I was shooting with two cameras actually the whole time. So I would have one up to my face, like to my eye, and then I would have the other one in my left hand and I was using my middle finger to trigger it. But I was looking up and down like very often. If you would have seen me, you would have, you would have laughed. But it was tough to do, but it was the final result I was very happy with.
0: Yeah, that's looks, looks fantastic.
1: Okay, so a few more questions
0: for you, Hunter. I know you're kind of tra- on the road traveling, so thank you a lot. I appreciate your time. No problem. What would you say has been your biggest achievement? Personally, you could take what, just oh, as a photographer.
1: So we've kind of mentioned this a few times, but I think my biggest achievement would be being a full-time photographer because it took me a long time to get there. I can't explain to you how how hard it really is. It may be easier for some people. I'm not really sure. But for me, it was tough. Like I said, I worked several jobs and like I've won... Awards and I've been in magazines and everything, but that stuff comes and goes and it just ends up collecting dust somewhere. But being a photographer every single day, it's something that you get to experience every day. So it's it's I think that's my greatest achievement. I
0: think your story is a fantastic one. It's an important one to tell because you said that there are some places where it is so 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 much much more difficult to do something like you've done than other places. Like for instance, say you have grown up in well, say you lived in New York, you've grown up in New York and then you want to be a photographer, right? That would have been so, and everyone would have been like, okay, it would have been so, so much easier to be a photographer, right, in New York. than But there's a lot of people there who they have that same aspiration, but where they place their island, they don't, is it either because they have, no one else is doing it or there's not the opportunity for them or they just think there's no encouragement there for that type of thing. It's just, it's just, 10, 100 times is harder, right? And it's important The story is important because it's one of like, oh, regardless of that, you can still do it, you know?
1: Right. Well, I think it's a double edged sword, though, because if if you're in New York City, you're not the only photographer. You have probably thousands and thousands of photographers. But if you're in a small town, you have the upper hand in that situation because nobody else is doing it, especially like being a guy was harder than anything because they thought it was more of a female thing to do. Just like nurses, you know, that was something that a bunch of guys wanted to do that were around where I'm from, and people frowned upon that. But now it's not that big of a deal, but at the time it was. So you have the upper hand in a small town. It is harder, though, because you have to deal with the peers. But if you're in a bigger city, but your peers don't care as much, and it's okay to do it, but you still have a lot more competition to deal with. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. It just depends on which way you look at it, though. In a big city, you have so much more to shoot to, places to go small town you have like five and then you have to and you just do it over and over and over again so it gets old quick so i mean i guess i don't have to
0: you, you, you kind of if you made it's the way you look at it right you kind of made a disadvantage an advantage right or you've see, seen it okay well i can be one of the only photographers in this place when yes. so,
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: okay i mean you may have but i mean on the flip side of that what's been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in what way you could speak on kind of any challenge you have i mean it can be as you know be as a photographer as good like journey or i mean i did see on your bio on the website if you want to speak to this that like you kind of you have had to kind of work through a bit of ocd and adhd so you could see that i don't know if that that was challenging but anything really really to kind of it's been a challenge for you either personally or professionally
1: A challenge for me has always been, I think, not being able to make it through college and having to deal with what people think about that aspect. And then people ask me if I went to college for photography, which I did not, I taught myself. And then I'd never know if that's a good answer or not, if that's the answer that they're looking for, because that's also another imposter syndrome deal I have to deal with, you know. So I'm like, okay, If I went to college, would this be better for them or would that be worse for them? Why am I, you know, and I get stuck on that quite often too. And then, of course, being from a small town, it was tough. That was a challenge in itself. And then, I mean, I deal with everyday challenges still. Like, how am I going to afford to do this? Am I going to be able to get paid this month? Am I going to be able to get this job? And like, anybody going to call me and set up an appointment to have their photos taken that's always a challenge. So, I mean, not knowing when you're going to get paid is one of the biggest challenges for me to deal with. And I don't really have much of a fallback. I'm just doing photography and it's, that's a challenge in itself.
0: <laughs> how do you
1: deal with that problem? And how do you
0: deal with that uncertainty? Because probably kind of a lot of photographers have and probably with this with the pandemic and a lot of things showing that probably you know a lot more will have or going to have. So how do you deal with that uncertainty and still kind of just super, being a super chill guy or super, like, how do you deal with that?
1: Learning to take life not as seriously is one of the best things you can do, which I do obviously sometimes. But if you just kind of let it happen and don't think about it too much and just kind of jump in the deep end and then you'll figure out how to swim. I mean, I just I just wanted to quit my job one day and I thought that I could do it and I did. And you have to tighten up your budget and stuff, which I'm not the best at budgeting at all, but it's still something you have to think about and you have to work on savings and everything. But I just did it and <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. So and there's so many people out there that are that want to do it and I know they do. And I don't know when your time is, but you can definitely do it if you want to, if you just if you have the inspiration.
0: Thank you so much, on I really appreciate I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you joining us today.
1: One last question on it
0: before we go. Your tagline on on Instagram was peace within photography.
1: Yeah, so I just put that up there one day, but <laughs> it was it's kind of uh, so I, I deal with OCD ADHD and I've always been I've always had anxiety and depression and everything and that's something that I've always dealt with which is another challenge for me but that's a different type of challenge but if I pick up my camera I always call it putting my mask on and I don't mean that in a COVID sense I mean like I've used that for a long time but it's kind of like my superpower and as soon as I pick up a camera all my anxiety and depression and everything just kind of goes away because I'm like focused on what I'm doing and it takes it's just like I'm in my own world. And that's where I can make people feel comfortable, and it's a way to escape reality for a while. And that's, I think, that's my drug of choice, really. So that's why I say that.
0: Thank you. That's fantastic. So Hunter, all right. So thank you for that today. Appreciate you, kind of, I know you, uh, you know, on the road, but still coming and joining us here. It's been fantastic. Where can people find your stuff or your work? Where should we, you know?
1: If you get on Instagram, you can just follow me at HunterHeartPhoto. My last name is H A R T, HunterHeartPhoto. Uh, same thing with YouTube. And my website is thehunterheart.com. So yeah, go check it out. And uh, it's pretty easy to find me or get in contact if you need to. Okay,
0: <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The So Creative. Like and subscribe to get updates on future episodes.